All right, we're on our service, our service, we're on our series, that's what it's called, series called Who Am I and Why Am I Here? So get your sermon notes out and your Bibles and you can get your version app notes for sermon notes, you can use that as well. Let's open our Bibles to Acts 26 this morning. Yeah, Acts 26, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. Talking about who am I and why am I here? Who am I is talking about our identity who God created us to be, why am I here, talks about our purpose. And we've been talking about why am I, or who am I for a while. And last week we started on why am I here. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's our purpose? Last week we looked at Genesis 1 where it said, in the beginning God created man in his image and in his likeness. That that was our original purpose by God is for us to be created in his image and in his likeness. And he told us to have dominion in the earth and to subdue anything and everything that does not look like the kingdom of heaven. He said, I want you to bring it under control. In essence, that's kind of a translation. But that's what he was saying in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. Made us in his image and likeness. Then we saw that through that image and likeness being his original intent for us. So again, our purpose, I'm going back to general, big picture items, how we're our purpose in creation. We were created in the image and likeness of God. We saw in Romans chapter eight, where it says that God predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So we were predestined from the beginning to, cre- to be formed into the image of Jesus. That's our predestined purpose is for us to look like and act like Jesus. How many knows that's a high standard? That's a high standard. But it's not impossible for us with him, working with him, to be conformed. That word's a process. How many knows we're in a process? Look at your neighbor and say, he's working on me. He's working on me. I am a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're talking about. Our original purpose is about doing that. So we understood this. What if our purpose, your purpose in life, is not something you do, but a person you become? We get caught up a lot in what we do is our purpose. But the problem is if we get caught up in our purpose as something we do, then we will focus all of our efforts into being successful at what we do, even if it's at the expense of who we become in the process. When our purpose is something we do, our danger is, is to get tunnel vision and just try and be good at what we're doing and we sacrifice our relationship with God at the altar of what we do instead of sacrificing what we do at the altar of our worship for God. So in other words, we say, God, I'm just going to be successful at my job And if it causes my relationship with God to be hindered, so be it, because I want to focus on what I do. God says, no, no, no. Your purpose is who you become, not what you do. What we do. So because if if we do it the other way around, what God gets limited to, he gets limited to someone we just ask him to bless what we're doing. He becomes a support system for what we want to do. Instead of what we do being a support system to what's important, which is our relationship with God. 
In other words, God's asking all of us, no matter what we do, use what we do to be a support system for the most primary purpose, and that's growing in your relationship with God and becoming the man or woman God created you to become. You track, and that's our purpose. That's our, our root purpose, no matter what we do. So that's what we've been talking about. So we've been trying to look at this from a big picture standpoint. So I'm just thinking about why am I here and getting big picture, and I got a big lesson on big picture this week, and I, I felt God speaking to me about it, and I, I didn't know whether I was just supposed to tell the story in a message or if I was supposed to put it on a post, and God led me and said, I want you to put that out there on social media because I want to not only speak to you and teach you something, I want to help others as well. And so I, I, I gave a little bit of snapshot to the world about what God was speaking to me about an incident at a ball field where I was watching this game, and I'm seated pretty close to the home plate, and, and my child's up to bat and got two strikes on her. The third pitch comes in what I believe, <laughs> well below the knees. So, so our, our whole stand, our, whole, you know, our fans went, whoa, that was low. I yelled out, that, that was low. You know, and I'm close. I'm like from me to the second row here to home plate, somewhere in that neighborhood. So I'm pretty close. And so I didn't say anything else, but I was a little miffed because your, your child struck out. I felt it was unfair, right? We all experienced that with our kids. So then the next half inning, they come up to bat, the other team, same umpire, same situation. The, the next pitch to the first batter, this had to be the devil. The first pitch, <laughs> the first pitch from my perspective looked like the exact same place. And he goes, ball. <laughs> there was a, mumbling in the crowd, but I didn't mumble. I said, that was a strike last inning. <laughs> I had this thing that God tried to teach me about letting things run around the track, but somewhere he tripped and fell and he didn't make it around the track. And so as soon as I said it, I didn't yell it. I wasn't, you know, burning. I just said it, but I was close enough that the umpire turned and looked at me. Yeah, as soon as he did, I was like, mm, mm. So I knew God was starting to speak to me at that moment, but I was still a little fired up, so I didn't want to pay any attention to him right now. I didn't want to talk to him right now. So I ignored anything God was trying to say in that moment. But the more the game went on, the more I knew. You know, when you've got a relationship with God, you, you know. But I didn't, I didn't address the specifics. So the next morning, I wake up. And I'm wanting to come into the presence of God and spend some time with God. And he, the first thing, he's like, well, I want to talk to you about yesterday. <laughs> well, aren't we past that, God? <laughs> Behold, I do a new thing, you know. <laughs> Mercies are new every morning. He said, yeah, I, I just want to talk to you about it real quick. He said, I just want to ask you a question. Wasn't deep theological, he said, was it worth it? I knew what he meant. He start, all of a sudden, you know, when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you, all these thoughts come. And I knew it was God. He said, was it worth it, a ball or a strike call in a junior high softball game? Because what happens, you judge that umpire in the moment instead of seeing big picture. And because of that, he has the opportunity to judge you in a moment and decide what kind of person you are in that moment.
He says, now is it worth it? Because what if I'm speaking to his heart and wanting him to look for someone that he can talk to about me and you're not going to be available to him because he has a conception in his mind for the moment. Is it worth it? How many times have we done things in the moment and we missed the big picture? How many times have we said something in the moment to our spouse, to a person, to whoever, and in the moment it seemed so good, it seemed perfect, I just got to get this off my chest. In the moment, I'm going to feel better. Yeah, you feel better in the moment, but sometimes that moment is like that, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. So what I want to talk about today in our purpose, why we're here, I want to talk big picture again, because God speaking to me. He said, Chad, you got to keep looking at the big picture How many people around there know you? How many people around there looking at you? Looking at the umpire looking at you. (laughs) And I really felt convicted. And I could have defended myself. Lord, I I didn't say anything near half as bad as I heard other people. He said, I'm not dealing with other people. I'm dealing with you. So let's talk about big purpose, big picture purpose today. Go to Acts chapter 26. Why are we here? Why are we here? Big picture. We're not looking about specifics in moment stuff. We're talking about big picture. It's not something we do. It's someone we become. Look in verse 12. It says, and while, while, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission. This is the Apostle Paul going to Damascus. He's, he's retelling his story. This is where he was going to persecute Christians. He's, he's putting them in jail. He's, he's beating them. Some of them are being put to death. All of this is happening. This is his agenda. So he's retelling his story. Verse 13, at midday, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. Everybody saw the light. And when we had all fallen to the ground, so everybody fell down to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This story is very powerful, and I want to look at a big picture purpose. As we go back here in verse 14, notice what happens. The light shines all around him and with those who are journeying, so he's with everyone. But when they'd all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language. In other words, Saul was saying, there's everybody around me, but I heard God speaking to me in my language. How many of us have been in a situation where we're with a bunch of other people and you hear God speaking to you in a language that you understand? God knows how to speak to you and get your attention. He knows how to bring something home. I knew amongst all those people, there were other people that said something to the umpire. But I heard God speaking to me in my language. 
I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you in your language, in something that's going to resonate with you. He wants to speak to you in a way that it's going to connect with you, and you're going to say, I hear God speak to me. I don't know if anybody else is hearing God, but I know he's speaking to me right now in this moment. That's how personal he is. But notice what he said to him. This is Jesus speaking there in the red in verse 14. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. The word persecuting just means to rally a group, to, pre- to persecute, to pressure, to oppress. He says, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, what does this mean, kick against the goads? Well, an ox goad was a, a long stick that had a sharp metal point on it. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase that you goad somebody into doing something. Well, what they would do is they would take this ox goad and they would poke at the ox to get them to go in the right direction, to get them to do what they wanted them to do, to help lead them, if you will, help provoke them. So they would begin to poke them. Now, an ox, if they get frustrated, you have somebody poking you in the back with a sharp object, you're not going to like it either. Well, they could try and kick at that goad, but if they would actually kick the goad, they're only going to hurt themselves. So this began to be a proverb or a saying. They said it's hard to kick against the goads. And it was a saying that meant there's a righteous authority that's directing you, and if you kick against that, you're only going to hurt yourself. So here's the application for us. When God's speaking to us and directing us in our lives, when we kick against what God's telling us to do, when he's trying to lead us into a decision, tell us what to do, when we resist that or kick against that, we're only hurting ourselves. Because God has a purpose for you, and it's a good purpose. So when we say no to the voice of God, I don't want to do that, we're saying no to something that's good for us. Now, in the moment, we not, may not know that. In the moment, we not, may not see the big picture. But when we resist God, we're only going to hurt ourselves. And that's what he was saying. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the ghost. Notice what he said. He said, Saul, Saul. Why did he say his name twice? It wasn't like he was saying, Saul, Saul, how dare you defy me? No, he was like, it's like saying, Chad, Chad. Saul thought, he thought, <laughs> He thought his agenda was to do something to harm Christians, but what he was doing was actually harming his own purpose. He's like, Saul, Saul, why are you making life so hard on yourself? Just follow me and it will be better. So I would say to you, or as God could say to me, why are you fighting against the purposes of God? Just listen to what God wants to do in your life. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Don't kick against the goats. That's what he's telling him. So now going to verse 15. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. That word Lord there is very important. This is a word that means supreme in authority. It's not a word that's used like when Sarah called Abraham Lord. That was a like for honor, for sir, like a respect to an individual. But this word Lord is like supreme in authority, Lord. It's like only be using to one that you would say there is no one above you. So when this voice, this light came to Saul in that moment, he didn't know who it was specifically, but he was saying when he said, Lord, whoever this is, I'm saying you're the man. 
So in that moment, I believe Saul recognized, I'm going to serve whoever that is that's speaking to me because I know that they are supreme in authority. This is what I believe is a conversion moment for Saul. So he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. So he recognized who he was, that this is Jesus, the one that he'd been speaking against, the one he'd been talking against. But notice what he says to him. So here's the instructions. Here's our big picture purpose. Verse 16. Let's start breaking this apart. Here's the instruction he gave to Paul, or Saul at the time. It says, but rise and stand on your feet. Everybody say rise. rise. The word rise is a word that means to take a place or position. Take a place or position. So whenever God speaks to us, The first thing he wants us to do, the thing about your purpose, what I believe God's trying to speak to us now, he wants you to rise and get in your position, get in your place, get in your purpose of who God created you to be. He's telling him, hey, rise, get in your place. Not as Apostle Paul, not as uh, Evangelist Paul or Preacher Paul or Tent Maker Paul. He said, rise and get in your position or your place as a son of God. Why is is it important to do that? Because when we get in our place as a son or daughter of God, it gives us perspective on how to look at the rest of our life. I'm going to make my decisions on what I'm going to do based on that place of being in a son. The Bible says that God has raised us up together with Jesus to sit in heavenly places. So he's saying, hey, get in your place, get in your position as a son or daughter of God and realize who God created you to be. That's what rise means. He's telling him, hey, rise. Saul, get up and take your place. Take your your place. But look what he said next. This is important. Once you get in your place, what does he say? Stand on your feet. This is a word that means to stand firm or to be established. So once you become or you're pursuing who God wants you to be, you embrace your identity. Okay, I'm now a believer. I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm going to try and serve Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to become like God wants me to become. Well, now your next step is to stand firm there. Get established there because things are going to come to try and knock you out of your place. Voices are going to come, issues are going to come, circumstances are going to come. Whenever you make a decision to say, no, devil, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm going to take my place and who God created me to be. Guess what? Your stance is going to be tested. He says, stand firm, get established. Get established. Why? Because the winds are coming, the waves are coming, issues are coming. It's not going to be easy to keep your place. You ever played King of the Hill? It's one thing to crawl to the top of that hay bale. It's a whole nother thing to stay there. Lots of people, climb. we used to play this all the time when I was a kid. You climb up, get on the top of the, of the hay bale, and now everybody's trying to knock you out of your place. That's what it's like. You get up, you get your place of son or daughter. Well, now lies of the enemy, things are going to be said, thoughts are going to come, and it's going to try and knock you out of your place. And God says, stand on your feet and stay firm. Stay firm. i give you a couple of scriptures here. Colossians 2 says, as you've received Christ, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They will shall be fresh and flourishing. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, you're going to flourish like a palm tree. 
Now talk to a palm tree in South Florida and ask them what flourishing is like. Did they have some issues with maintaining their flourishing state? But a palm tree is built and rooted that when those hurricane winds come, you got to get established. This is why it says get planted in the house of God. You need to get planted in a relationship with God, in a family of God, in the church of God, in connect groups, in serving with teams. Surround yourself with people so when the waves of winds come against your life, boom, you bounce right back up because you're established as a Christian. I'm established as a follower of Jesus. I know it doesn't promise me I'm never going to have problems, but when they come, like a sumo wrestler, you're planted. I don't know why sumo wrestler came to mind, but maybe the palm tree is better for you, but get established. Get established. That's what he's telling you. He said, rise, stand on your feet, Saul, because wind's about to blow. Wind's about to blow. Get ready. Get ready. I'd love to promise you, if you get saved, you'll have no more problems. Wouldn't that be a great invitation to accept Jesus? It's going to happen. Waves are still going to blow. Winds are still going to blow. Waves are still going to crash. Lies are still going to come to your head. But if you'll get established, you'll say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to keep listening to what God says. So rise, stand on your feet. That's the next thing we're going to do. Here's the next part. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. Appeared to you for this purpose. For this purpose. So why did Jesus show up to Saul that day? Why does God show up to you and I in our lives? That word appear just means to make himself visible. So here's the question. Why does God make, do something in your life that's visible to you? Something you realize, you, you notice, okay, that's God. Why does God appear to us? It's for a purpose. It's not just for ourselves. Why God appears to us, it's something greater than just us. It's something he's wanting to do more than just speak to us. He appears because it's not something he just wants to do for us. It's something he wants to do in us so that he can do something through us. Track with me now, because notice what it says here. He says that for this, I have appeared to you for this purpose. I've appeared. I've made myself visible. The reason he had this encounter on the road was not just so that he would have a cool story to tell people. It would be a great story. You remember going around telling people, hey, you remember that time I was on my way to Damascus? Man, boom, light shone, boys came, saw, saw, goads. It was incredible. We all fell to the ground. It'd be a great story. But God never wants to do something to us or for us just so we will have a great story. He wants us to experience him. So that he'll not only do something to us or for us, but he wants to do something in us. Because if it stays a story, eventually people's going to get tired of hearing Saul's story. But something changed in Saul that day. On the inside, something changed. What God did for him changed in him, and so now God could work through him. So how many are looking for God to do something for you will realize he's wanting to do something greater than that. I want to do something in you so now I can work through you to help others around you. So it's not just a one-time story. It's a lifetime experience. 
I don't want to have a story of when God touched me five years ago. I want to live a life that is fruit of God touching me five years ago. All right, so you know what I'm talking about. So he appeared to you for this purpose. What's his purpose? All right, check out your notes. Here's the purpose he said. To make you a minister and a servant. Sorry, a minister and a witness. Minister and a witness. Minister and a witness. What does the word minister mean? In our modern day vernacular, if you say, if someone walked up to you and say, hey, are you a minister? You would probably say, uh, no. Chad's a minister. But this word minister doesn't mean an occupational. It's not an occupational term. It's a word that means a servant under the direction of someone else. A servant under the direction of, it was actually a term used for under oarsmen, like at the bottom of a boat that you had someone that all you did was to row the boat. When, I, when someone said, pull, that was your job as an under oarsman. You just row when someone says row. That's this word servant. That's what he's called us to. So we're all called to be servants. We're all called to be ministers. We're all called to serve God and serve people. What's our greatest purpose? Number one, we gotta get it in our heart. We're called to be servants. He didn't call us so that we would be the man. He called us so that we would serve the man. It's about him. So get this in your heart. When you're wanting to follow after, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Number one, serve, be a servant. Have a servant heart. Serve something greater than yourself. What are you? I'm an under oarsman. I'm just moving the ship. I'm moving the kingdom of God on down the road. That's all I'm doing. So that's, he said, first, you're a minister. The second thing he said, I want you to do, I want you to be a witness. A witness. This word witness is martus. It's where we get the word for martyr. It means one who testifies from personal knowledge, one who talks about something and gives evidence. So I want you to be a servant and I want you to be a witness. What is God saying about being a witness? He's saying, I want you to not only talk about something, but I want you to produce fruit or evidence of it in your life. I want you to be a servant and I want you to be a witness. A good witness provides evidence in a case, right? You should provide evidence in the case for the goodness of God every day of your life. You should provide evidence that Jesus in you is better than a life without Jesus. A life of living for Jesus, we should be a witness, a walking billboard says give your life to Jesus, it's better. He called us to be a minister and a witness. Show evidence of it. Here's a couple of scriptures about giving evidence. It's not just about talking a good game. God wants you to have evidence. He wants you to have proof. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He wants us to produce evidence, not theory only. It's not, well, we got a better doctrine or we got a better belief system. We want to show evidence or proof of what God says is real in our life. That's what he says about being a witness. Here's another scripture there. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men were among you for your sake. So notice what he says, minister and a witness of what? Two things, very important today. Why are we here? Big picture purpose to make you a minister and a witness of two things. Look what he says. First, of the things which you have seen, 
Secondly, of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Let's look at the first one. Of the things which you have seen. This is a word that means fullness of knowledge, to know completely. You've seen with your own eyes or experienced already. This is about something in your past. When God wants us to be a minister and witness of the things which we have seen, he wants us to be able to serve and tell people about what God has done for us in our life. Tell people your story. This is your lion and bear moments of your life, right? For David and Goliath, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. So this is telling people what God has done for you. Your experience. How has God worked in your life? Here's something you gotta remember. Remember this, a person with an argument is no match for a person with an experience. Some people may say, well, I just don't believe in that stuff anymore. (laughs) Sorry, I'm already experiencing it. See, sometimes people want to debate and ideology and talk about theory and theory and theory, but a person that's had an experience, it's tough to argue them out of what they already know for themselves to be true. This happened in your Bible with the blind man and the Pharisees. Jesus healed the blind man, and then the Pharisees wanted to determine whether Jesus had the right to heal the blind man or not, and they get into this theological debate and want to talk about doctrine of the Old Testament, whether Jesus was the Messiah or not the Messiah, and all this big hubbub, and the blind man said, whoa, 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 hey, I don't know about all that. All I know is this, I once was blind, but now I see. He didn't have a whole lot of theory, but he had an experience he said, I don't know, what, I don't know about all your, what you're talking about, Messiah and Old Testament prophets and prophecies. I'm not, I'm not real up to date on all that stuff. But all I know is, from my experience, he's a man. He's a man. Why? Because he touched my life. I can't even figure out how he touched me. But man, I was blind. Boop, I can see. That's the guy that did it. A person with an argument is no match for a person with an experience. So I want you to be a witness of the things which you have seen. What have you seen God do that you need to be a minister and a witness for? Tell people. Tell them about it. But now we can't stop there. What else does he say? A minister and witness things you have seen and the things which I have yet to reveal to you. I have yet to reveal to you. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we talking about now? These are things in the future. These are things that you haven't even seen yet. These are things that are real and available, but you have not experienced them yet. So God's challenging us here. He's challenging us. He said, hey, I don't want you to just be satisfied with what you've experienced and live in this box based on what you know and you're familiar with. I want to take you from there even into things that you've never even seen yet. God says our purpose is not to get stuck in stories of what God has done but to look for new stories of what God can do of things we haven't even seen yet. I want you to be a minister and a witness, he says, of the things that I will yet reveal to you. These are, these are future things. Here's some questions I would ask. Are you living to make new stories or are they all just things that you have seen in the past? Are all of your stories about what God has done in the past and you aren't living to make new stories? Are you living in old revelation, something that you learned from God 10 years ago, 15 years ago? What is God speaking to you today? It's good to have some stuff to launch from and to to refer back to, but if all that I have is what I've seen, I'm limiting God on what he can do in my life. 
What if, <laughs> this is where we go on tilt sometimes. What if God wants to do something in your life that you've never seen before? Uh, I don't know about that. I tell the story of my, my good friend or executive pastor, Kyle. One time God touched him. This is before I really knew him very well. God touched him in a way that he kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It was very demonstrative under the power of God. So much so that I was like, eh, I'm not sure about if that's God or not. I'm like, God, that seems a little excessive. That's, that's a little bit over the top. And I had people come and tell me that it wasn't God. It was over that. And so I had to work through that process. And, but obviously, as things turned out, it absolutely was God. It was just something I'd never seen before. God's going to challenge you sometimes to stretch yourself beyond your own familiar understanding to get more of him. And it may cause you to go out of something you've ever seen before, but it could absolutely be something very real and very genuine. So just be careful that you only want to be a minister and witness for the things that I've seen, things I'm comfortable with. Sometimes he wants to stretch you into something that you've not even seen yet. I want us to stay hungry. There is more to our relationship with God. Amen. There is more. we got to keep going. There's things that he's not yet revealed yet. So let's keep pressing into that. So that's what he said. I want you to be a minister and a, and a uh, witness for that. Sometimes we got to be careful. I'd ask this question. Are we living for something or are we living from something? Sometimes we get in a bad habit of we live from something instead of living for something. Our whole life is from a hurt a disappointment, a tragedy, an offense. And we start living from that moment instead of living for a moment we have not yet seen. Jesus said, for the joy that's set before me, I will endure this cross because there's something on the other side. I don't want to get caught living from something. I want to live for something in the future. I know we face disappointments, we face tragedy, we face issues in our life where it's like, man, it's going to be hard to get past that one. But we have to trust God that there's something ahead that we can keep living for, keep moving forward. So now going to the next part, he says here in, in, in verse 18, this is the purpose behind it. This is where we'll land. See, this is why we got to keep big picture and moving forward thinking because the Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And this is why this big picture purpose to make you a minister and witness of things that you've seen, things that I will yet reveal. Why is it? What is that for? Why is verse 16? Look at verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Okay, stop. Look up at me. Each and every one of you are getting ready to be sent out this week to people. And verse 18 is what he's sending you for. 16 tells you the purpose. 18 tells you the desired result of the Father. He's sending you out. You're getting ready to get launched out this week. Each and every one of you are a minister. And here's what he wants to do. Verse 18, through you. Look to your neighbor and say, through you, through you, through you. He's wanting to use you. Here it is, verse 18. To open their eyes. To open their eyes. That speaks of blindness. How many ever seen someone in a situation or you yourself have been in a situation where you were blinded and you did not see clearly what you were supposed to be doing? You see people making decisions and you're like, why are they doing that? 
It's as plain as the nose on their face. They shouldn't be doing that. Why are they doing that? For whatever reason, we get blinded at times. You know you've been there. You know that's not what you should have done, but you, but you end up doing it anyway. We're blinded, and God says, listen, I want to use you. I want to use your service, and I want to use your witness so that you can help open eyes. You've got to open up their eyes. Look what he says. I'll give a verse for this. Romans 2, verse 19. And are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. You're a guide to the blind. There's some people who don't know a half of what you know about God. And God's asking you to be a guide to the blind. If you're a guide to the blind, you ever seen someone that's blind and they ask someone to guide them? That person, usually that blind individual will grab them by the arm and they will walk beside them totally trusting the sight of the person they are walking with to lead them in the right direction. God is saying to you and I, we are guides to the blind. They're depending on us. They're depending on us to know the way. They're depending on us to show them the way to life. They're wanting to grab hold of your hand and arm and say, show me where to go. I don't know what decisions to make. I don't know how to find happiness. I don't know how to find peace and joy. I don't know how to do it. Will you show me the way? Yes, because I'm a guide to the blind. I'm a minister and a witness of the things that I have seen in my life and the things that I've not even experienced yet. It says to open their eyes. What's opening their eyes gonna do? It's gonna turn them from darkness to light darkness to light. The word darkness is a Greek word that means shadow. A shadow is caused when something gets in between you and a light source. Remember the solar eclipse we just had? What happened? Was there any problem with the shining of the sun? The sun was still shining, right? Why did all of a sudden it get dark? Because something blocked the light. He says, listen, when you're a minister and a witness of the things that you've seen and the things that God's wanting to do in your life, I want you to help people remove things that have gotten between them and God and cause them to live in the darkness. Help them remove the things that's blocking. So I don't know who's listening that you're saying that, that God would speak to you. What shadow do you need to come out from under and begin to walk in the light of God again? What is overshadowing your life that's come between you and your relationship with God? A hurt, a disappointment, and all. I don't know what it is, but something's blocking the light of God from shining in your heart. And you need to come out from under the shadow today and walk in the light of God's goodness. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to be a part of that. To turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. The word of power is the word authority. Guess what God's wanting to use you? Wanting to use you to open up the eyes of people so they will turn from being under the authority of the devil and be transferred. God says that he has redeemed us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the, in the love and the, of his son. He's moved us, transferred us into a different kingdom. And this is what God wants you and I to do, to help people. It's what may, you may need in your life. It's what I may need at times in my life. When I get caught up in the moment and I don't see the big picture, I need to see my purpose is to help people get from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here's the question for us today. Why are we here? 
What's our purpose? Is it so we can hear another sermon? I think it's bigger than that. What's big picture for you? Is it my purpose is a stay-at-home mom? No, it's not your purpose. It's something you do. You may do it from your purpose. Is my purpose to be an attorney or to be a teacher or to be a coal miner or be a farmer? It's not your purpose. It's something you do. You may do it from your purpose. Our purpose, our big picture purpose is to serve God, serve people, and be a witness of the things that he's done in your life and to hunger for the things that you haven't even seen yet. Why? Because when we do that, when we live like that, we will help people's eyes be opened that there's a better way to live. You and I were ministers. We want people to receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. Everything Jesus died to give them. So I'm, I'm asking us as a body of believers, I'm asking Crossroads or anyone else that's wants to partner in with the heart of God. I believe his desire for us, why are we here? Notice, <laughs> two weeks in talking about why we are here, I have not mentioned an individual's gift yet because our purpose right now is still common. We're all together. Image and likeness of God, number one. Number two, be a minister and a witness of the things that God has done for us and the things that he will yet reveal to us. That's our purpose. So this week, when you go to your job, when you stay at home, when you go to the store, whatever you do, the question is, are we gonna fulfill our purpose? Are we gonna be who God created us to be? Are we gonna embrace, say, you know what? God has done some great things for me and I've kept my mouth shut. It's time to open up your mouth so you can open up some eyes. Your story may set somebody free. Maybe your story your stories are all old and God says, I want you to make some new stories. <laughs>